0: Hey there, Rob! What's going on, Carl? I'm just hanging out, chilling like Bob Dylan. It's good to be back here. It's uh, in the winter months. Mm-hmm. Couldn't even tell by the weather, though. <laughs> no, not today. But not today. I'll tell you, uh, the ride was a little harrowing, but that's cool. Mm-hmm. Lots of rain and darkness. Yeah,
1: those windy, darkness. Those windy uh, mountain roads are a little trickier in the rain. Absolutely. <clears throat> so, we did a interview with Johnny Scroggs. Yeah, and just real quick, it, it was our first sit-down-in-person interview, but it's being released after our second, because Lindsey Lydon, we wanted to get out there. The mm-hmm. Banjo Thanksgiving. Lindsey Lydon, thank you. Great episode. Got a lot of great feedback. Uh, did you get some feedback on that? Oh, sure, yeah. Everybody loved it. I'm going to try to buy one of those. Buy a what? A banjo for, oh, uh, <laughs> for a friend.
0: I know you were talking about that. Yeah. And, and I, you know, Ellen was talking about it, too, and I was just kind of like, well... You know, I'd like to get one, but uh, money's always the thing, I, right? I think they're going to be rare. I don't... I, I,
1: I think they, you're right. The impression I got from you mm-hmm. talking to him after I had left mm-hmm. was that he's,
0: he's not, only going to do this for so long. That's right. Yeah, like, this is kind of like just a... Not a hobby, but <clears throat> um, just trying to, trying to keep it precious instead of, you know, making too many of them, you know? Right, right. Like a good song.
1: And I love this pizza that you made for me, uh, you know, for the, in honor of Johnny Scroggs. In honor of Johnny
0: Scroggs, you didn't get any.
1: I know, but still, but, um, in yeah. honor of him.
0: That is a pizza with all the ingredients from our local Aldi's in Blairsville, Georgia. Delicious. You it's know, worth of the quarter in the cart, folks. You don't need to wear a veil while you're eating this pizza. Uh, that's right. You shouldn't wear a veil when you're eating anything, because... Unless you're eating a veil, but that's completely different. (laughs) (laughs) A long black veil. long black veil.
1: How did uh, he come to write a song for you?
0: Uh, He didn't write a song for me. It was more like he had songs, and that one we wanted to feature on the album. And he was there, so we had the guy be the guy.
1: (laughs) And as Carl mentions in the interview, local legend Johnny Scruggs plays all kinds of gigs and all kinds of formats. At. And this is a fun interview, you know? You get mm-hmm. another little window into Western North Carolina. Correct. It's part of my assimilation for
0: my eventual move here. Yeah, let's... Um, wh- do you want to listen to Vale and then um, start in with the interview? Yeah, do you remember anything about from the recording of Vail? Um, I remember uh, it was in the box, which was over at uh, Jimbo's house. I think we talked about that a little yep, bit. Yep. And... um. Although remember, not everybody listens to every episode. Yeah, I, I, I don't remember do. much out of outside of that, except of where it was. Um, I don't have any other me- memories. So I, mean, I think I remember Johnny being a little nervous, but he he pulled through and it worked out good. He's in- intimidated by the Engelman. I, I was no, a little the first time I came. No, not, him. He, yeah, he wouldn't be intimidated by me. <laughs> he wouldn't be intimidated by people he doesn't know, probably or, or like your Whalers Jake hat. And, yeah, right. Like Jake and Crojo.
1: Oh right, Jake. Yeah, not me. He'd
2: be like, whatever, dude. You know, you know I you know.
0: <laughs> That is a funny thing with Jake, though. I do hear
1: musicians say that, but he's such a chill dude that I'm sure he dis- he's very disarming quickly, right?
0: Um, you don't want to get him mad on stage, because <laughs> he'll he'll harbor that for a little bit.
1: But you know, oh really? I didn't know that.
0: That's an interesting tidbit. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm enthralled, but <clears> let's <throat> let's hear the song. Sure,
1: and the interview. Mm-hmm. Carl, and it's, it's an exciting day. Oh, my goodness. Harder f- ever. Our first in person guest. Please make the introductions.
0: All right. This is Johnny Scroggs. He is uh, the founding member of the band Dottie. And. Uh, a band named after a deer. We'll learn that. Right. And also a local celebrity and rock star.
2: Um, infamous. Infamous is yeah, the word. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I've known Johnny for. Um, 20 years.
2: When did you move to North Carolina? 99?
0: 99.
2: That's about how long I've known you, I yeah. guess. It seemed, yeah, It's about, it's about
1: right. Uh, yeah, and you're also the composer of "Vale," which appears on your Dottie album, Five Smiles High, but also Alibaba's Tahini fans know it from bottom feeders.
0: No, uh, poster uh, sorry. of Rockstars. Rockstars and Lone Mores. Rockstars yeah. and Lone wars, yeah. Which Johnny was present, obviously, because he sang the song during the whole session.
2: Yeah, that was pretty, uh, that was an interesting time at the Box, huh? That was, Jesus, that feels like forever ago, but. The Box. The Box, yeah. Well, you know, Jimbo had made this, I guess it was a shed or something. I don't even know what it was. Some kind of little building that he turned into a a little studio. Kept all of his music gear and stuff in there, and we'd go in there and play music and jam. I actually lived um, up the hill from there, so it was pretty convenient to hop down there and play some music and work on recordings and stuff. Yeah, maybe a year two three you know a few years before that uh Carl and I had run into each other do you remember how we met exactly i, I mean um <clears throat> i think it was probably through amber and that's ben. Right. yeah okay i was renting a, a house from amber's mother so right that makes sense yeah
1: and so is this also around the time you met the people that would end up making up Dottie?
2: no what would, um, what would become <clears throat> Dottie, i should say Okay, so Dottie was a different story. I, I had um, I'd basically quit playing music for a few years. And, you know, I got married, had a family. And I get this phone call one day from Jeremiah Smith, who uh, Carl knows as well. We're Eskimo brothers. Yeah, I could, you know, yeah, Jeremiah's a great guy. I've known him since I was born. You know, my, our parents were friends and stuff. So he had asked me to play for this, um, I guess it's like a art walk or something in Murphy. And I was like, man, I don't i don't play anymore it's been a long time you know i don't want to i don't want to do it and and he basically talked me into it i was like damn it now i've got to play i've made this commitment you know i don't know what to play and all this stuff so uh, i thought it'd help to have someone play with me and i i knew that chad johnson did uh you know hand drums and percussion and stuff so i called him up to see if he'd he'd play with me which he, he did he was he was excited to do so and uh Uh, We went and played this little gig. It was a, you know, fine. It was just, you know, normal little singer-songwriter kind of thing, but... We kept playing after that. We we met like you know once a week or something. One day he's like, I, w- I want to introduce you to my uh, my buddy's bass player. You know, Chad gives me nothing to go on uh, when I go to band practice. It's uh, Hal Roddy uh, who who was his friend that was there. And Hal's this um, he's like a 25 year military uh, veteran. He's been you know deployed two or three times. He's uh, been in the National Reserves and stuff for years. And if he's listening, thank you for your service. Says nothing to me. He's just a blank-faced dude when you meet him, you know. <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, okay, Chad, you know. Like, we start playing. I mean, he literally just said maybe hello, you know. And I'd been playing a little bit in a few minutes, and he's just kind of tuning his bass and paying little to no attention to me, it seemed like, you know. And Chad and I are, you know, we're doing our thing. And then all of a sudden, he just comes in. You're just killing it. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, that'll work, you know. I don't think we even talked too much after that, other than you know, yeah, this will this will work, this will be great, and um, see you Tuesday at seven, whatever. Yeah, you know, and now Carl and I, you know, or uh, Hal and I, are really good friends. You know, he's he's one of my closest friends, but he's got a you know this amazing repertoire of music that he's played over the years um, from Nashville uh, Chattanooga, Knoxville you know Tennessee area he played in um, this uh, metal band called Hazmat out of Chattanooga I guess something like that. It was just the three of us playing and then um, I think I'd ask Carl to play uh, a little play play some lead with us on it for a show we did in uh brevard this was at the phoenix and the fox i think and it's actually not there anymore but carl plays lead on this for us and uh you know had a fun show it was cool but you know carl's busy guy he's got a lot going on you know he can't just play these little gigs and stuff so a lot of babysitting to do (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly so you know we just kind of piddled around for a while um i have played some shows with just you know the three of us, and then um, Jay Neal, a local percussionist, he uh, he got in uh, with us one day and just kind of rooted in. He does uh, congas and shakers and
0: uh, and he eats pho at the restaurant.
2: Oh yeah, he's a he's a connoisseur of things, many <laughs> yes, things. exactly. In life. But um, a great guy, a big smiley guy. Everybody knows oh, about yeah. his big smile he's got. And then we were playing a show uh, at a street festival one day at Murphy. Jay had actually said, I want you to meet my friend Greg. He's he's this guitar player. He's really good. And uh, maybe see about him you know, playing lead for us. And so uh, we're playing this show, and I see Greg out in the crowd, and he's just this... He, he's smoking like this Sherlock pipe. He's just kind of pacing around and just looked unassuming at the at the, at the point, you know, uh, to me. And he, he's like, yeah, I like your sound. You know, you guys got a cool thing. I'd be interested in... The... And I never know what to expect with, you know, a musician. You never know till you play with him and stuff. But it was a very similar deal with, like, with Hal. Um, Greg kind of just listened to him and then just commenced to shredding. I mean, he's just a hardcore... Uh, <clears throat> rock and roll guys played since um uh, he's played over 50 years now
1: were you throwing around originals at the time or we was this still-
2: yeah yeah they're mostly originals I, right out of the shoot right at the beginning yeah from day one i, I like pretty that. much I like always that. did original stuff and and because of that i didn't gig a lot you know there's not a lot of places you know that you can just play original stuff or whatever and i was kind of against really playing cover songs i just didn't feel like i could do it any better you know or something like that but you know over time that changed for me it, it got to where you know it just became more um collaborative to play music that was kind of a neutral playing ground you know with the musicians rather than you know somebody trying to figure out what i came up with or you know vice versa or whatever but um but now you know we've got a pretty tight band we uh we just played in uh at brevard a couple of weeks ago i guess at oscar blues for um new seltzer release that uh, that they had and it's kind of like this tropic theme i guess and um, it's funny we get stuck in this category kind of like reggae groups i mean we've played a couple of reggae festivals um you know we've been hired to do these kind of island themed um, gigs and stuff but you know we're we're reggae like the police are reggae <laughs> you know or something we're not we're not uh dreadlocks and you know all that
1: i actually hear a little driving and crying yeah. in a couple of the songs you a driving and crying fan at all
2: i yeah kind of i mean i think they're from like north georgia oh definitely yeah yeah I've, i remember hearing them years ago when i was a kid you know i my parents were kind of hippies i guess i grew up around you know crosby stills nash and young kind of music Neil young uh led zeppelin pink floyd you know just kind of traditional stuff but in this area, most people were listening to country music or gospel or bluegrass or something, so I, I was on my own, you know, pretty much when it came to sorting music out. And it wasn't until later on that I met other musicians that were playing something other than the traditional stuff in the area. Now we've we've got this, you know, freedom with the music, which is pretty cool. We, none, none of the guys in the band, oh, and I forgot to mention Colby Beck, um, Colby... Um, he's your current drummer right current drummer yeah okay i'm gonna have to backtrack a little bit okay so um it was um chad on drums howl on bass
1: chad don't call me ocho cinco johnson
2: (laughs) (laughs) we chad's hilarious a great guy but um we had um we had him on on drums we had um uh, greg on guitar at the time and then uh, Chad ended up leaving the band, and we had another drummer for a while named Dave Sage, powerhouse drummer, really good drummer, but you know, he was more of like a, a three-piece band kind of drummer. A lot of a lot of fills and filling fame. in some space. Yeah, it, he was he was used to doing lots of filling and stuff mm-hmm. that didn't really fit well with like having a, a, another percussionist, and just just didn't fit the sound well. He he played with us for maybe a year or so unfortunately he recently passed away from cancer um, oh. a few months back a mm. uh, great guy he was a great guy he was a veteran too he played in the military band and stuff like that in the army but then um colby beck you know because we'd lost our drummer and we're like man what do we do you know because not many drummers around and colby beck who owned the parsons pub in murphy had just sold the pub and now he's kind of a free guy, you know, he's like, okay. It's one of my
0: favorite places to go, by the way.
2: Yeah, he's like, I'll do it. So um,
0: shout out to Parsons Pub, Murphy, North Carolina.
2: Colby's been our powerhouse drummer since, and he's a total music nerd. Uh, you, know, he, he, you know, all these guys are my best friends, you know, but Colby's uh, background, like he, he played xylophone and stuff, and he's got a really nice uh, custom xylophone at home. But uh, he's a he's a percussionist, uh, music nerd.
1: Can I ask you, and I actually put this out to both of you, as I'm not a musician. But when you're replacing a drummer in a band, like to what extent, how exacting are you with what you want from a new drummer, and you know, at the risk of not letting them
0: come out themselves, how do you walk that line? I, I think a lot of it is you kind of go and see what what the talent pool is, and then pick from it. I would say that's probably the best way to. Yeah to go about it. I mean, cause you know, you're going to have a powerhouse person. You're going to know it at a gig. You're going to know the way they hit the way they play certain things.
2: Yeah, yeah, and, you know, this area particularly being, you know, background of uh, bluegrass and country music, yeah. there's, like, n- no drummers in the area. I yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. remember country music didn't like drummers for a long yeah, time. Bluegrass, if you can get <laughs> punched. Oh,
2: well, yeah, now with the, you know, the bedazzled blue jean country, there's plenty of, they, they got, like, turntables or no, whatever, <laughs> whatever, you know, got it all now. But, Florida Georgia Lions. Yeah, yeah. Howell, um had been, you know, he's, he's played with, with me since day one, pretty much, with it. And, and, uh, but Hal's having some some medical issues and wasn't able to work it out to to continue playing bass. So um, we've acquired a new bass player named uh, John Rutherford, who's a, a great local bass player. He's, he's played in some of the local bands here, and uh, he's also the only guy in the band who doesn't sing. Something, uh, you know. I've asked him several times, like, no, "No, no, don't do it." You know, he's like, "You don't, you don't want me to," but we still practice at how's We, we moved our uh, recording studio over to Hal's house. So all of our band practices and everything still include Hal And mm, so he feels like he's part of the band still. I, I mean, Howell is definitely as much a part of Dottie as anybody else is. And, uh, you know, we also have our, our sound guy, uh, Bert Zimmerman who does all um, of our sound for live shows and stuff mm.
0: wasn't he the guy who worked with Andrew Chastain as well
2: he did right. yeah he's worked with several bands over the years I mean, he's worked with everybody I mean, he was uh, several years in South Florida doing uh, big bands of all kinds and stuff but he's great pyrotechnics laser lights smoke screens any, you, you name it he's, he's he's great and good at what he does so you know we, we have fun when we play shows now we kind of do things on our own terms you know we don't we don't have to play any shows, but uh, the ones we play we're enthusiastic about. and You know, the guys have a pretty good pool of music, you know. Uh, Greg currently plays also in the, um, it's a Highwaymen tribute band. It's called the Highwaymen Show, I think.
1: So do they do just
2: <clears throat> Highwaymen songs, or do do they do songs
1: of yeah. any member of like this, it's, it's Willie Whalen, Chris <clears throat> Christopherson,
0: who Johnny was it? Cash, Johnny, Johnny Cash, Cash.
2: Yeah. yeah. So they um, they do what the Highwaymen did, and um, there's also uh, the guy who plays Johnny Cash in that also has a Johnny Cash tribute band, which um, our guitar player Greg plays in that as well as um, Luther. Uh, is the character he played, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't remember his last yeah, name. Yeah, I can't remember his name.
0: It's not Lu- Perkins, no.
2: Luther Perkins, maybe. I, 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 maybe. I, but he
0: did have a Perkins, and then he had.
2: Yeah, I don't. I don't recall. There's an
0: interesting story about that too. Um, I guess they uh, the original player um, died or something, and and they were playing at a at a show with Johnny Cash and somebody out of the crowd, which ended up being. The the guy uh-huh. sat uh, sat in and played with them. Oh, that's cool. It was like a first time. He right. knew all the songs. <laughs> right, and he knew how to play them all. Yeah, wow. Well, that's the. I might have it a little bit a little bit wonky that story, but I yeah. think there is a, a. I read it in um, John uh, Johnny Cash book. I think. I wonder if that's a tricky cover band, either
1: Highwaymen or Johnny. I wonder if the fans are looking for exacting, particularly the guitar
2: work. You know, there's people who just like the music that they like. They they grew up on, they listen to the same album and stereo all the time kind of people, and if they were that way, the Highwaymen, that's a great show. You know, these guys sound like the Highwaymen. They look the parts, you know, Greg will change his hair to look like... He he plays Chris Christopherson in the the Highwaymen uh, group, but... But to have that background of diverse styles of music um you know with him doing that kind of stuff he I mean he he started out playing like surf music and stuff he's from he's from Michigan as well he's from um but Grand Rapids kalamazoo yeah don't don't go name on all. Lansing yeah <laughs> Clarkson <laughs> it, it, it was like a motor city you know it was one of the Cl- around uh like flint or something yeah it was from flint okay yeah, yeah, he's oh. from, don't drink the water yeah he's from, right i think i'm pretty sure he's from flint or close to you know mm. a little suburb or something but red it,
0: wings fan probably
2: but you know he 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 grew up with you know that classic traditional rock and roll stuff and played in bands all of his life and and just has this tremendous repertoire of songs to pull from and and guitar sounds and colby has a background in like jazz drumming he's he's uh more percussionist. The rest of us are just kind of down for whatever, you know. My, my, I don't even. I'm the low man on the totem pole. The way I look at it, they're the, they're the talent. I'm just singing and, you know, coming up with the songs and stuff. Not all of them though. Uh, Greg Bauman has written some. You know, he wrote some of the songs that are on uh, this album and the one before it, and sings some. Uh, probably. of the songs, you know, when we perform, he'll sing. It's nice having uh, other vocalists to to kind of bounce off of. I know that's kind of a fun thing for me as a vocalist, to kind of be able to play with harmonies and stuff, or hadn't been able to do that before so um, that takes work too getting harmonies just right doesn't it yeah yeah. well you know and everybody takes takes a little while to get warmed up and get your voice right and then get familiar with somebody enough to know where they're kind of gonna go with Mm -hmm. something that kind of stuff it just takes time but
0: talk about your family and how long your family has been in the area
2: to get some kind of like in the beginning in the beginning okay well i guess the first scruggses that moved to western north carolina were probably in 1780s or something like that moved to somewhere around to asheville and then started working their way west from there following the uh, uh logging trains i think and asheville had no club scene at all back then
0: either right <laughs> right yeah no it
2: was a literal club um but um my my family came uh, came to Brastown probably sometime in the eighteen thirties or forties. I have the last little piece of it now. Uh, I got a fifteen acre farm there in Brastown now. Kind of a
1: lesser known hidden gem of, of Western North Carolina, huh?
2: Brastown's an interesting place. It's not like a place five miles in any direction from it, really. You know, there's uh, you know, and a lot of that has to do with the folk school being there. It's uh, Uh, More arts, crafts kind of stuff, you know. But there's also the Tri-County Racetrack there. (laughs) So it's... uh... And
0: not only that, but from a culinary standpoint, Brasstown beef is from there. Did, have you had the Brastown beef? Yet? Brasstown beef is is a is a, a product from a farm with Ridgeland Farms that's uh, on Brastown Road, past the Folk School. Steve Whitmire is is the man. It's his family. They they're from Franklin, but they settled here as well. And it's a huge farm for beef, like all of the major purveyors in the Atlanta area. If you go to uh, most Buckhead restaurants they serve Brastown beef. beef. It's very
2: very popular. Yeah, I've seen Brastown beef in uh, the Florida Keys. Yes,
0: uh, not too long a lot ago. of fancy restaurants in uh, um, Lauderdale and, and Miami and stuff. Yeah. It's a huge. It's a good huge for thing. them. Yeah. yeah. So he's done well. I can vouch for his product. The dry aged steaks are amazing, and that's all you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> they do have a farm store there in Brastown, in case you're wondering. We'll yeah, plug in yeah. for Town Beef and uh, Steve Whitmar. And I guess a
1: lot of things have changed over the years, and things have changed. Some have stayed the same. What are, what are good examples of each?
2: Uh, well, it, on your property, right? Where... Uh, oh, on my, on my property. Well, uh, yeah. I'm, I was telling uh, my fiance just the other day. I was. Uh, We've got a creek on the property, and there's briars all over it and stuff. And I'm out there with a bush hook cutting briars, and I stopped and I started laughing. And I looked over at her and I said, um I said I'm doing the same thing my family were doing here a hundred years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Still haven't gotten we rid of those briars. I was beating briars with a bush hook. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but uh, timeless activity. Brasstown really hasn't changed much. Uh, you know, it's uh, it is a hidden little gem over there." Um, yeah, there's the uh, the pumpkin chunking coming up. Soon. Wow, that's no. right,
0: too. That's a big thing around yeah, here. Yeah. Tell Rob about the pumpkin chunking.
2: I don't think he's heard of this. It's pretty cool. They have these, uh, and I think, uh, I'm trying to plug this correctly, it I may be sponsored by the Clay County Chamber of Commerce. Uh, I think you're right. I, I, I believe right. it is. And they have... Basically, these like um, cannons and trebuchets that sling pumpkins. And whoever can get one the farthest distance uh, wins a trophy or prize or something, something to that effect. And they have bouncy houses and things for the kids and live music. There's a beer garden there. You
1: know, yeah. I think this made The Daily Show about 15 years
2: ago.
0: Do you remember the on
2: But well, it wasn't or? around 15 years oh, right. ago. Nah, when that was, you're probably thinking of like the Possum Drop or that's something. That's what.
0: That's also from Brasstown, North uh, okay. Carolina. Is the Possum Drop?
2: Okay. Possum Drop was a big deal there for a while too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't. They don't do that anymore. They
0: sold it to somebody out in Andrews.
2: Yeah, they sold the rights to the Possum Drop to mm-hmm. someone. Um, but the same family still has the same location in Brasstown and the store and stuff. They just. Uh, I think they passed it on to uh, a grandson or something something like that so but yeah i mean brass town is literally no different than it was when i was a little kid little, you know a little more traffic but as you get older now you're a
1: musician and music's a big part of your life are you tempted to find a way to open a brass town music venue
2: well I did actually oh you did yeah and um okay so when everyone was in COVID lockdown um early 2020 my buddy Bert Zimmerman who does the sound and light for us he had a mobile stage and uh, all the equipment so we uh, we did the first live event and maybe anywhere in the area that summer, summer of twenty twenty, and it was about six or seven hundred people showed up for it. It was a pretty big turnout. Um, were they in pods or were they spaced out or was it no, just like a normal show? No, no, hugs and high fives. You know, <laughs> it, it, it was a pretty. You know, pretty normal music. Get- I mean, there was a a few people that, how dare you i know i you know <laughs> and it's funny because like i had these people that really later on after the event they were like you know kind of high-fiving me about you know bucking the establishment or, but it was not about any of that mm. there was no motivation it was more like jesus i'm tired of being in there yeah, was trying to get you know? back
0: to normalcy yeah uh, just, and nobody
1: got sick or nothing
2: uh, no and and yeah, we oh, you know, i mean nice. nothing that popped up or was mentioned but we, you know we had um we did have hand sanitizer and masks available for anyone at the door. And, uh, you know, we had, um, a couple different beer vendors at the time. It was a cool show. And we had, uh, cause this field I have, the field makes like a natural amphitheater and we had the stage set, you know, at the small end of it and lights that went all the way down the field on both sides and lasers and stuff. I mean, it was lit up like a, like an airport. And, um, uh, Uh, Did the cops come? uh, They drove by earlier in the day, um, and I invited them up for you know sodas and pizza and hang out for the show. Donuts, but uh, I think they were just gonna you know just doing a little check in kind of thing. But I said you know any problems come see me you know. But we we didn't we didn't have any problem with anything. I mean even you know people picked up their own trash and stuff. It was it was real old school. It was nice. Yeah, it was a really cool event. And during the event. a tame deer walked through the crowd, and people were petting the deer and getting pictures with this deer too. So that was that was a big highlight of the of the evening. It's like this buck, you know, he's got a rack and everything. And um, yeah, I mean, what a, it's pretty odd, pretty odd event, but we had fun with it. You,
1: you just know. provided a segue, beautiful.
2: Yeah, yeah. How did the band get that its name? Yeah, well, um, so when when I started playing music again um, I was just going by you know Johnny Scrogg's Johnny Scrogg's band which you know using your own name is great if you're like David Gilmore or <laughs> Eric Clapton or Mike something. Campbell <laughs> you know somebody that's like yes that guy you know but I just felt it would be good to get away from it, trying to, you know, for me to personally look at it like my show and make it a more collaborative uh, thing with the, the other uh, guys, and and that's what we do. I mean, we vote on everything, vote on songs, you know, that go on CDs. We vote whether to play a show or you know, it's, everybody's got an equal vote, you no know? big me, little you kind of thing, and um, and that was important to me because it's made us a, a tighter band and uh you know there's a better group of friends in general you know the it's harder to fight someone else's cause sometimes you know especially when it's like you're lugging gear and it's a hot hot gig or you're not getting paid much or whatever you know but making it the the collaborative effort really the whole
1: is greater than the something that's <clears throat> oh yeah
2: yeah absolutely yeah and having the other guys uh their music influence on everything um it just made better music than what I would have done by myself, by far. But the name. <clears throat> okay, so while we were playing at our studio one day, um, I there was this, one day there was this little deer, this tame deer just came up to me. I don't know if it was an orphan deer or whatever, but she would just pop up, you know, when when I was over there. I wasn't, you know, living on the farm at the time. We would just come for band practice, and I'd see her there. <clears throat> and then um, my son, uh, Abram, uh, Named the deer Dottie because you know I guess she had a little Dodson or whatever, which is kind of cool because that was my grandmother's name that lived on the farm there too, coincidentally. But um, a little reincarnation story there. Well, what happened was there he goes and now here she starts. You yeah. know we we would we would show up over there for band practice. There's no deer. We'd get in there and play and uh, take our set break, and then here's the deer. And I don't know if it was the drums or something was you know, she knew we were there, but she'd show up and want little treats and things like that. And uh just became our mascot after a while and uh so we decided to name the band after the deer, Dottie, and that's our logo yeah now.
0: And the record company is Deerhead, right?
2: Deerhead records, yeah. 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 Well, well there's this LLC. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Don't steal it. Don't even try. <laughs> yeah, there's this banjo player named Andy Thorne. He plays in Leftover Sam and he actually just played 185 King Street a couple of weeks ago with uh Travis of the String Dusters and John Stickley. And he during COVID was playing his banjo in Colorado outside of his house and this red fox kept coming back and there's video of it. He even got on CBS Sunday morning and all this stuff. Nice. And and, uh, and then it stopped coming and then it made a return and now they Come out with a record of songs that the fox liked. Right, the day it was released, the freaking fox came back one last time.
2: You know, the deer for us has definitely been, you know, a a selling point for people. You know, commercially, I think that we get more hits on videos with the deer in the in the yard than we do anything we play. You know, it's a great story. Yeah, it's a
1: fascinating thing. What is drawing the animal to the music?
2: Well, what happened was Donnie. um, Dottie disappeared for like two months. We're like, you know, no, that's it. Dottie didn't make it, you know. And um, then one day she shows up and she's got two little babies with her. Mm. And and Dottie got knocked up. She brought the babies and and introduced them to us and everything. And was it the drummer? (laughs) (laughs)
1: and <laughs> <laughs> hey, that one does look like the drummer
0: <laughs> it's always the drummer right. you know, was it, right, right. Was it sleeping on the deer's couch and oh, shit
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: well,
1: <laughs> two little deer with little metronomes well right.
2: e- even now there's still you know it's been a few generations of these deer you know they have them like you know a couple times a year they have offspring so uh We had uh, two baby deer this week. Two different baby deer came up to the house this week and... uh, made friends yeah you'd have a deer shit sanctuary at your place or yeah something. if anyone wants to check them out we have um scruggs farm instagram uh-huh. and there's some pictures and videos and stuff of the, the deer and stuff on i wonder there.
1: if the words out in the deer community if you want good music you know yeah right to go to this place
2: yeah mm-hmm. it's it's neat you know because the farms it's a pretty place and there's all kinds of animals and stuff there but the deer just you know everyone in, in you know that lives near me they all you know there's. Just like the deer of their yard, you know, they don't, you know, no one shoots them or anything. So um, they're, they've they got a little safe haven over there and they're, you know, they'll come up and stick their nose in your pocket trying to get your cough drops and stuff. I mean, they're pretty tame.
1: Yeah, when I pulled in for the first time yesterday, pulled off of the main road, there was a deer right there. And you usually see deer around Atlanta, they're running off. This one just kind of looked at me, checked me. Out. I rolled the window down, it looked at me, I looked at him.
2: Like city squirrels. <laughs> yes,
1: exactly. Yep.
0: They're wary, but they're not afraid. Mm-hmm. Don't touch them. But <laughs> right. well, let's talk about the record. Um, do you mind playing a couple tracks? Yeah. And, can we start with RVM? And talk and talk about it as we play it. RVM grabbed me. What a cool
1: freaking song! And I it, it could kind of relate to parts of it. Okay. A good bit.
0: We'll be good. Go. Single coil. Telly. I want to get it from you Oh really Yeah It's a single call tell yeah.
4: That's when I play everything no with. No
0: cool.
4: Took a spin on that roulette wheel Took a chance on the road till I couldn't feel The scars that she put on my soul The promises broken the last you hear the the lies she told The anguish the lies dead Cool Which
0: drummer is on this record?
1: Uh, this is Colby back. Colby, okay.
4: Yeah.
1: You're singing very well when you convey anguish. Got lost on
4: Face. the highways. The global leaf turns into ways. It didn't do to me. Found a place I could stay for a while.
0: This is all done at Hal's place?
2: Um, no, actually, this was recorded at my studio in Town. Okay.
3: Uh,
2: this is a Greg Bauman song, um, and it's, it's the only song we play where I don't play guitar on. I just sing this song. And, okay. And he just, it's, like sim, it's a simple song, but uh, yeah, I like playing it probably the best of any of them, because it's the easiest for me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just get into it.
1: Carolina Mountain line has come out.
4: And if I ever see your face again, I'll tell a story. Feel it. Without you. From the thing I'm traveling into this. small. Soon to really, be for uh, me. Then who would believe it? The scars ain't gone but the healed of All I saw as an ending was a rear view mirror
1: beginning.
0: I like that tonal shift right there. It's a good one.
3: And
1: that's kind of the point of the song.
2: That line where the shift is. You know, the song is, you know, it's... um Like I said, it's Greg Bauman's song and he wrote this song kind of like this, uh, it's a rear view mirror. He's he's leaving one life behind going to a new one, you know, coming to Carolina and, um, you know, he, he had brought the song to me and was like, you know, uh, he, he played it and sang it to me one day and he's like, do you, you know, could, would you sing it? Could you sing it? And I was like, well, I you know, I'll try, see, you know, see what happens with it and, uh, you know i i actually you know i prefer to just sing you know i mean i like playing guitar and stuff but i'm a better singer than a guitar player and when i can just focus on singing i can sing better than i can play guitar you do some different things yeah yeah yeah, you know so
1: and also lose yourself in it more because you're not thinking about
2: well that no one you know the song you know like um you know I know the guy I know the song I know his story about it you know where he's coming from with it you know so it's you know there's like um channeling a little bit there his you know his his angst and emotions with it a little bit
0: you yeah know. you're not doing a cover song where you've never never met the
2: person before and, right yeah you yeah you know yeah. so yeah. it doesn't feel like a cover song well you know and that's an interesting you know one of the things I like about collaborative songwriting with these guys is you know like if it's just me, I write a song and I'm I'm like here's the song we all have to play. You know, everyone's like okay. You know, like when 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 we can throw ideas and stuff off of each other, you know, they just, we just come up with better stuff. You know, just better material, better uh, little things that I wouldn't have thought of or so and so wouldn't have thought of. You know, and yeah, um, I, uh, I I really enjoy the dynamics of of it and having more you know instrumentation going on in the song you know without me it frees me up to to sing more and uh, i get into it you know i like singing i get into it and uh but i get into that more than i would on you know trying to do a guitar solo or something you know i'm i pretty much keep it simple with the guitar stuff i do and deliver the story yeah yeah can we do
1: another one? I know so this is, how, you don't like hearing yourself, right?
2: Well, I, I, like I told Carl, it's like listening to yourself on the answering machine. I mean, you can get <laughs> used to it. You can accept it, but, <laughs> you know.
0: Which one you would you like us to do?
2: Um, I don't know. I, you know, the, no, just pick one. Veil?
1: You know. Should we do Veil, or is that too obvious? Love Over Money? Love, love over,
2: over Money is a good yeah. one. Yeah. But you
1: know, Dire Straits
2: had Love Over Gold. You know that one? This is probably my favorite song, actually, on the album.
0: Got a little overdrive going on there?
3: Yeah. I like the compression of the
0: drums and the bass.
2: Well, thank you. It took some time. <laughs> I mastered it and everything, so.
1: Playing live or adding your parts? Uh,
2: mostly live and then added a little bit. Adding the vocals. Is...
3: Yeah.
0: Nice, nice tone is... on that bass.
2: Yeah, throughout the record, the bass tone Rowley. growly. Yeah, I made it bass heavy because Al's just a thumping
1: bass player, man. How much is that his equipment, and how much is that the studio equipment? I'm, again, That's, I'm not a musician. I mean, it's
2: all our stuff. I mean, but it sounds really good. He's a really talented bass player. Well, plays percussion.
0: Must be Colby's percussion uh, influencer.
2: Yeah, yeah uh, there's Colby and uh, and Jay both in there. Gotcha. on the Vibra Slap. You know, That's what that is? Yeah, the, the rattling noise. Vibra Slap.
0: much a single vocal track right No know overlays no harmony just straight up
2: there is right there a little bit there a little bit a little
0: fill. Yeah.
2: yeah i did it real lightly though
0: tucked it underneath
2: yeah
1: When you play live, yeah.
0: Jam vehicle.
2: All, most of our songs have long guitar breaks. Dude, Greg's the shredder. Yeah, he'll, he'll go forever. Do you leave think? the structure ever? Completely? Not not usually. No. I mean, but you'll jam out. You'll stretch. It's usually just stretch it. Yeah. Hand. Yeah. Greg will give us some kind of cue when he's done showing off. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it's not indulgent
1: if people are digging it. Right.
4: We need
2: There's some backups there. Yeah, it's so that that song was um was one i had recorded myself years and years ago and uh i think probably i don't know a year or two ago i gave greg a cd of just some of my old songs just to see if you know if there's anything in there he he thought we could resurrect and make a dotty song or something and that was the song that stuck out to him um we we reworked it. We changed some of the lyrics a little bit and some of the structure, but um, you know, pretty much the same thing. You know, pretty, pretty close. But um, uh, so I, I wrote the original. We co-wrote the remix version of it, or whatever that whatever that would be. But
0: can't buy me love
2: yeah i you know greg greg came you know, he's like a child of the 60s he's you know it's the, the rock music influence like a lot of uh like we do kind of um well we do like a, a rock cover of peter tosh's uh um uh johnny be good mm-hmm and so which is a reggae cover of a rock song right
1: so you do a rock cover of a reggae cover of a rock song right, right. <laughs>
2: well, johnny the good now. Yeah, yeah yeah so it's, it's oh it, which is it's totally weird but you know it's a fun song and uh but you know greg has this you know like his roots are those kind of johnny be good kind of lead you know that kind of chuck berry kind of traditional rock and roll sound and 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 he's, he's probably Sly and Robbie Aware, too. Yeah, and, so, and he's good at working all that stuff in. You know, he's, he's good at doing it in a tasteful way where it doesn't seem too, you know, out of place or, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. But um, I have fun songwriting with him. We, we've worked on, a, you know, several songs now. And, uh, um, you know, we uh, um, also engineered and produced the, the CD uh, along with Hal Roddy, too. And,. Um, you know, it's just, uh, it, it's a different ball game when you have your own studio and you can take your time, and and I find that when you do that, you end up cutting more corners than you would if you just went to a studio and someone else, you know, someone else's studio and you're like, oh, I, I got to knock this out right, you know, mm-hmm. I think, like, um, I definitely let things slide that another studio would not have, <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff, so. Locked. All
1: right, so now that our listeners know you, tell us a little more, your view of Alibaba's Tahini, about how they worked together, about what you heard uh, the musically, about how they uh, wrote songs and put them, laid them out. What, what's your view since you had a front row seat that not very, not very many people have had?
2: Well, you know, the, you know, I, I didn't even know. ABT or um, Unfreeze McGee until they showed up at the house (laughs) I I had you know Carl you know Carl had been I guess we were were we roommates at the time I think so yeah I think we were roommates at the time and he's like I got some buddies coming over we're gonna play some music you wanna get in on that or you know something like it 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 wasn't anything like ta-da you know old
1: humble Carl
2: yeah it was just it was like okay sure you know they're cool guys and I'm like hey whatever I'm Johnny you know and uh, um and we we had a good time we uh, I think um we were living in Hayesville at the time, and we had this big house had a little studio in there and uh I think I don't maybe we spent the night you know everybody crashed down at the house or something and took turns you know like once the basic tracks were done um I think it was like you know adding tracks or something you know kind uh, of you go know, back and forth but um Most of it's kind of a blur to me, honestly, you know, that plus 20 years, you know, but, um, um, you know, I've, I've listened to Carl's music since I met him and, uh, you know, been there for a lot of, you know, a lot of shows, recordings and otherwise, I've got several of Carl's albums from over the years and, uh, you know, Carl's got a unique sound. Um, it's neat to see, um, You know, like I said, I I grew up here in this area where no one really was into the same kind of music I was. I felt like a total weirdo, you know, and to meet other people that, you know, made their own music and didn't care what anyone thought and they're playing the melodica or, you know, whatever, throwing in some weird stuff, you know, I was all about that, you know. So I've always been a fan of Carl and Carl's music and uh, and I can see why why other people are as well. You used to have a melodica? I do. I have one now. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, Colby's actually playing it. Uh, right. He's he's drumming with one hand and playing the There you on go. That's a, awesome. On, on, on a few it. songs, a couple songs.
1: <laughs> I got to ask you about metal, though, because Jake has a metal background. You talked about the guitarist you work with who has a metal background. We're soon, hopefully, going to be talking to an acoustic, a very accomplished acoustic musician named John Stickley, who right. also came out of metal. Do you find a lot of, and, and it's I'm an old deadhead and classic rock and jazz guy, and metal often gets maligned, but you... But as I get older and I find the players who have the metal background are very, take it very seriously, are very precise players yeah. and very technically sound.
2: I, you know, as weird well as it sounds, the, the the real serious heavy metal guitarists and bass players and drummers that I know, uh, but I'll just say guitar players and bass players, um, the, the meticulousness of the music requires almost obsession to get it right and not just ability but focus yeah i mean you know it's funny they get this reputation you know these hardcore you know kicking the walls in guys but they're they're up there doing brain surgery most of the time <laughs> and and, and and in a lot of ways, like really good uh, tight country bluegrass music is like that. Mm-hmm. If you heard like really fast stuff, like like John Stickley Trio. Well, you know, it. I've always been really impressed by it. It wasn't always my favorite music, but like guys that can play like mandolin really good. I mean, I'm impressed by Eric Clapton, but a mandolin is like half the size, so your right. fingers have to be even tighter. Two more strings, <laughs> and, you know. So. Um, you know, it takes some serious skill and dedication to, you know, get get it right. That's why I prefer singing. You know, to be good at it. Yeah. Have I've you heard, heard of... Dave, David Grisman at all? Oh yeah. Well, I love David Grisman. Yeah, I think there's
0: a lot more uh, there's a lot more parallels between classical music and heavy metal. Mm-hmm. I think someone did a study, actually, saying that most people who kind of lean towards the classical Mm -hmm. and are also heavy metal fans. Yeah, I've seen that, too. It would be
1: my experience, too, yeah. Well, one of the great things, we're in an era where you go see live music, and a lot of times people can't shut the hell up and listen. So one of the beautiful things, the rare times I've gone to symphony, even the people who aren't enjoying it are able to shut the fuck up and listen to it. Oh, yeah. And that is just a
2: beautiful thing to me yeah that's the thing you know and that's one of the reasons why you know we don't play a lot of these just regular bar gigs and stuff like you know yeah i was gonna ask
1: you where where are your gigs and do you get to atlanta ever that's where i live for now
2: we have not played in atlanta um we've we've pretty much played around the mountains we've played in tennessee um we've we've done some things down in cartersville you
1: should play the poorhouse in raleigh
2: yeah, well, give me the context. We'll, well, actually, we'll, we
1: probably could help with that.
2: We'll, um, you know, we, we just like playing shows that are good for us, that are, you know, ideal. You know, because like I said, the guys don't really have to do it or anything. You know, it's not like... A, it's not our. You don't make any money doing it. I know, but
1: once you have an album out, don't, aren't you? Don't you want just people to hear the this music you've created and put out there, and you yeah, go play it live? Then maybe they chase it down and listen to that too. And
2: yeah, you know the dynamics of selling albums and things has changed. You know, no one buys a CD anymore it's uh, to promote your live yeah. performances. Really? Yeah, I mean you're you're pretty much promoting them to go back and look you up online. I think more than anything, and you know if you got merchandise online and stuff, you can do pretty good. Most of the time, people don't really buy a lot of stuff, merchandise wise at average gigs you know you you, i mean rarely does someone go out to dinner where there's a band and be like oh i want the t-shirt you know (laughs) you you know how much for a hat pair of socks yeah unless there's a cool looking deer on it yeah (laughs) you know so um but you know having good web representation is important for that stuff which i don't you know i'm so slack on all that stuff but i'm getting there you know we're we've had a Uh, a ride sorting everything out since, uh, you know, 2020 and uh, life's uh, life's finally falling into track pretty good right now, so Mm -hmm. um, you know, just keeping trucking keeping at it, and uh, we've got a new album we're working on that we will try to record over the winter and may have have available for next season Um, Send it our way first Okay, we'll we'll keep you guys in the loop for sure, yeah it's uh, You know, the to me they keep getting better but this one i I would really you know i want to i want to have someone else produce it you know rather than the band and just let some fresh ears just Mm -hmm. so we can just go like like we're playing a gig you know kind of thing because it's a pain in the ass to you know try to record the music that you're writing and playing at the same time and keep up with all the gear and it's like um you know it's like being a captain of a boat and you have to like put the coal in the engine and paddle and you know do all the other stuff too it's a real pain in there so.
1: i'll tell you but as a non-musician there's so many things i envy about musicians but one of the things i don't is having to select a producer you're basically handing over how your music's going to be
2: yeah i'm mean, presented it's you know it's funny i I guess all songwriters and musicians are different when it comes to you know what's their baby. You know, like I I write a song, I don't necessarily feel you know like s- some songs I do. You know, I might have like some real particular connection, it's special to me or something. But um, but you know, like if I if I write a song and I give it to the guys for us to try to work out or something, and they want to change something, or what, you know, I don't care. I don't get my feelings hurt. You know, I I don't. It's not my baby; it's our baby, kind of thing, I guess. You know, but um, maybe they
1: become more invested in the material too when they have their little stamp yeah. on it. Oh as yeah, well.
2: ab- absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's just like anything. You know, if it's team effort, we're all in it together, kind of thing, and uh, it it definitely makes for better music. You know, at least on my end.
0: Well, this is also a culinary podcast. That's okay, right. well, so what you cooking, got to talk Carl? Some food. <laughs>
2: what you cooking? Well, what?
0: I'm really curious about the early days, um, your early days in Brasstown. We're talking what pre Walmart. Was there ever a pre Walmart? Yeah. Mm, was. When was
2: Walmart? 95. I really? remember a time when there wasn't a Walmart. Right.
0: So, how would the Scroggs family cook? What would they get? What was the What was the process
2: there? And what was the usual? Menu okay. Well, so I most of my culinary experience growing up was with my grandparents, um, which my uh, just old mountain people playing as you know, bibbed overalls and chewing tobacco as any western North Carolina people. Um, my my granddad raised hogs, um, he had uh, corn fields, uh, we, we grew a lot of corn and they had a small garden where they'd grow uh squash and onions and, um, you know, a few tomatoes and things, but they, um, okra was big, a lot of okra and beans. Uh, those are, those are my earliest memories are shucking corn and snapping beans on the porch of my grandparents. And so all the food was like, you know, pretty simple, just beans and cornbread and, uh, um, ham hocks or, you know, pork chops, that kind of stuff. Um, my my grandmother didn't really make any particular like dishes or anything that stood out or anything, but she did make some desserts that did. She she mm. was pretty good with uh, the mm-hmm. desserts and stuff.
0: And where would they get the provisions back then? Would it, would it go to the Clay's Corner? Or?
2: No, my my grandfather was a butcher at mm-hmm. um, uh, a grocery store that was called B and T. It was uh, Bell and Tiger. It was. Um, Rob Tiger from Hayesville's father. Oh. Owned, okay. on the, the the grocery store. That's how he got his money. <laughs> <laughs> well that and going to college was, and working. Huh? Yeah. And right. pimping <laughs> Hey, for those people up north, can you explain ham hocks? A ham hock is a chunk of pig leg? Carl would know better than yeah, me. Yeah, it is upper upper chunk. Yeah, it's just like uh, they they take a section out of the yeah I'm like way. a chicken wing but from a pig and they it,
0: smoke it more, 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 it's more of a flavoring yes. item
2: yeah wow. it was something you would put in like a soup beans or yes. something like that greens collard greens yeah yeah was, we ate a lot of that um a lot of beans corn um you know later on uh i guess when i was in my late teens or early 20s i was um taking care of my grandmother for a while my, while my grandfather was in the nursing home. Good man. And I, w- I would bring food, you know, like I got takeout, you know, and she had never tried, like, Chinese food. She, you know, she <laughs> oh, had, wow. She, there were, like, things that she had hadn't <laughs> tried, like, egg drop soup you know it's like Rocky Mountain Oysters did she throw it out (laughs) no but they were genuinely scared of certain things you know Uh, like my um, my grandmother uh, which didn't have anything to do with other people's foods particularly but like you know it, which is weird growing up in the country you know everyone hunts everyone's got all this stuff my grandmother would not let my granddad bring things he had killed into the house to cook he couldn't cook a squirrel or a rabbit and she's and I, I asked our her, neighbor yeah i asked her one time i was like well you know we kill these rabbits you know what you know why can't we cook them he's like it looks like a cat i don't want that in my kitchen you know <laughs> i don't know if she had a bad experience as a child or the cat or something mm, maybe but um so we always we always grilled that stuff outside, or something, you know, but um trying to think of you know we had ramps and things, mm-hmm. and, yeah we 've talked se- about ramps we 're going to do an episode on ramps seasonal ramps mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think most of my family were more focused on the the liquid aspect of the culinary world than the. You know, the, the liquid aspect? Yeah, yeah, like uh, that. We had cornfields for you know making moonshine. Oh,
0: right, so fuel.
2: Yeah, yeah you know, they specialized in that stuff. You right, know. <laughs> yeah, they were all all about that. And coincidentally, we were a bunch of r- race car drivers. Later on, you mm-hmm.
1: did you ever see that reality show on the Moonshiners? And didn't they end up, weren't they from the, right around here? And didn't they end up getting busted because of the reality show? Do you know what I'm talking about? You're talking
2: I'm, about, uh, yeah,
0: and actually, one of the guys who was on that show yeah. used to be a driver for Brass Tom Beef. <laughs> nice. <laughs> His name is uh, Wayne, I think. And were they really surprised that they got busted?
2: <laughs> you know those those shows. I, I'm not a TV guy. I don't really watch TV. And
1: really, I used to be, but I haven't been recently. But I've heard all about it.
2: You know, well, okay. So like, I I hadn't watched TV since I was a kid, and then like years ago, I turned on the TV and it's nothing but reality shows. Yeah. And right. then I'm like, yeah, I just turned it back off. You know, and. Now what I see is like clips and reels on things, you know, on, on social right. media or something. It's but like dopamine, just drugs. I just hate sitting still. I, I don't like to just be sitting and watching something. I have to be doing something else, too. And
1: Can you sit still and listen to
2: music, though? No, not Really? Usually. I mean, if I'm recording it or working on it you know, right. or something, but, you know. But like you can't I, get
1: lost in like a Coltrane, no, my
2: favorite things. I'm something. like listening to headphones or something while I'm mowing the yard, you know, gotcha. or whatever, that kind of, I'm a, you know i like i like little background music going on and you probably don't get to see a lot of live music or do you i don't you know i i, I would like to see more but i'm usually you know if i'm not playing or sing, you know i've got a lot going on now in my life too but um but what's an artist that if you heard they were playing Asheville, you'd drop everything and be like i've got to see that show and you know i don't know i really thought about um seeing roger waters play in atlanta that'd be a good one um which he is, right? I mean, he's on the docket yeah, today. Yeah, yeah, he he
1: Robert Walsh with him from Grey Boy All-Stars. Hmm.
2: Yeah. I, You know, something like that. Like, I just, I don't know. I've never really been like a uh, concert person, you know. Like, it, all the concerts I went to is, you know, as a kid in the 20s or whatever, we just got wasted. I don't even remember the music, you know. <laughs> I, it never, you know. Look, the objective wasn't the music. Yeah, it was. It was never about the music. I could just listen to the music anytime. But my, I, I can say that my favorite show that I've, favorite concert I've ever been to was um, I saw um, Neil Young play at the uh, at the Ryman uh, Auditorium <sighs> with uh, when the Emily Harris. Lou Harris. It was the uh, the pra- it, Prairie Wind. Yeah, album. he put out
1: the record and didn't want to do a tour, so he did two nights of the rhyme and, and recorded it and released yeah.
2: that. Okay, so these were close set; like yes. you couldn't buy tickets for this this right. show because they're filming it oh. for the Prairie Wind CD DVD thing, right? Well, uh, a buddy of mine at the time had a friend of his uh, from New York. Uh, his brother worked for like Clear Channel Communications or something, and he, he got, gave him four tickets. Oh. And he shows up at at my buddy's house, and he's like, um, hey, man, I got these tickets to go see Neil Young at the Ryman. Let's go. And and my buddy had to work, you know, whatever. He's like, take Johnny, man. He'll go, you know. And I was like, hell, yeah, let's do it. You know. So we we packed up and went to Nashville and um, saw the show. And, I mean, it was...
1: It was one set of all brand-new material and then a set of the classics, right?
2: Yeah. You know, what stood out to me was when they played... um, uh, you know, if anyone knows uh, Neil Young stuff, but it was um, uh, the song Harvest Moon, mm-hmm. and Emily Lou is sweeping the stage with this broom. <laughs> <and she's laughs> you can we- see it. There's a video. Yeah, and she's wearing this like little petticoat kind of, you know, Grand Ole Opry looking ladies' dress thing. And, and um, they have this, because I'm like eyeballing this thing, they've got this pad that looks like a, I don't know, like a piece of plywood, maybe... Two foot, three foot square, covered in that, um, you know, that stuff you put on steps so they're not slippery or whatever. Mm. It's like a mm. sandpaper almost. They got this, and then they have a microphone mounted on this pad, and and I guess just being right there at the where the broom bristles da, meet it. Sh- yeah, da,
0: I mean it was da, da,
2: surreal, da, you know.
0: Da, 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 sh- <laughs>
2: So i can hear, hear it yeah it was it was you know it was a really nice experience <laughs> for me and
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> i love that song <laughs> you know? yeah.
2: but to have like neil young planet in my face and Lou harris there there was a bunch of musicians playing the broom yeah i mean it, it was that was my favorite that show. unknown legend song
1: is pretty captivating that's the one she used to work
0: in a diner
1: Mm -hmm. that that whole unsung hero kind of thing Mm -hmm. kind of like uh, the Foo Foo Fighters Harley Davidson yeah, just those un- elderly, elderly woman behind a counter in a small town or um, mm-hmm. uh, the Food Fighters hero, you know, he's ordinary, you know, just the real heroes in this world who are under-celebrated, under- the people who work at your restaurant, Carl, and represent you so well and are part of the uh, ascension of Epic, who, who knows, not many people know about it, but they are doing heroic work, you know. That's mm. some of my favorite songs, the ones that celebrate the under-celebrated.
2: Yeah, Neil Young specialized in that. Uh, yeah, you know, I I don't know if it was um, you know I didn't know what I, I, you know when I was a kid the grunge music didn't even exist but I, I resonated with Neil Young when, you know when I heard it as a young teenager you know the, the, I sent something to you know some kind of something I connected with there and uh, uh, and then you know years later the grunge music made that connection with neil young and you know neil young uh, played with uh, pearl jam and that kind of stuff but uh, Mirrorball, yeah, yeah i even liked his
1: deviations his country album you go back and listen to it it's a lot better than people think the trans stuff was kind of ahead of its time that
2: one's a weird album yeah he did some he, you know i'll definitely give him uh, kudos for being ambitious and trying stuff you know being a songwriter you know and doing a blues record that poked fun at the sponsorship shit that was just starting
1: to happen—that actually did, you know, become a big part of rock and roll. You know? I,
2: you know, a lot of like songwriting is experimenting, and I think Carl can probably, you know, relate to the, you know, Carl's written hundreds of songs, probably, and you know, like. Oh, his whole new record's an experiment. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's you—you you just try stuff, and you know, some people like it, some people don't, and you know, mm. it's how it goes. It's and, the risk you take. Yeah, I mean, it, it's. Uh, I shoot for 51%, you know, <laughs> that's that's where I'm going with, you know, with most things. As long as they like it a little more than they don't, you know, that's, that's okay. I
1: don't know, um, something resonates with everyone. I don't know. It's like, uh, look at, nothing
2: late- resonates with everyone, you know, I, I don't, I, you know, maybe some sound or frequency or something, but a, when it comes to a song, and yeah, there's going to be, no matter how many people are out there with lighters and tears down their face, there'll be some crabby old crab ass be like, man, even turn it down, man. <laughs> You know, but, <laughs> play that other song you know i mean and it's yeah. just par for the course neil young's canadian yeah it's he tried to get rogan kicked off fuck that guy <laughs> yeah i'll show you ragged glory <laughs> everybody cares so much about everything you know everybody gives such a big shit yeah, about everything
0: huge know. soapbox dude did yeah. you ever see the grateful
2: dead I did not see them live. No, I, I've been to a dead show though, um, like Dead we, and Company or something. Yeah, yeah. I further, think I've been to them uh, years ago, and then I saw like the other ones or further, that, <laughs> something, something like you know. Again, it's one of those. I remember going. I remember being late for work on the way back. so That's about it. You <laughs> You'd probably
1: dig Bob Weir on the Wolf Brothers. If they come to Asheville again, you <clears throat> might want to take them in. Kind yeah. of a cool unit.
2: Yeah, I, I like the dead, you know. But it's like, um, like anything, you know. Like when something has a particular sound, you get into the groove for a while, and if you know, most, then you move on. Most of the time, you move on. You know, especially if you're a creative person yourself. Yeah, finding well, your own space. You know, it's like I don't know if you're not into something music you're not into will just sound like nonsense you know it's like people don't like blues like all oh, blues songs all sound the same you know same three chords or what you know or all country songs sound the same kind of thing or, but um, reggae music you know reggae fits into that one pretty good every song's pretty close the same but you know if you're feeling it at that moment nothing will substitute reggae music uh-huh. you know but you can't listen to it all the time or, you, know, you know time and a place for the stuff I've always been impressed by the people that get up first thing in the morning and just turn on like Mega Death or something, you just <laughs> blaring, just shake their face and go off to work, you know, blaring it.
1: I'm not a big metal guy, but Iron Maiden. Have you seen them live? I mean, that's that's astounding. They really I,
2: are. To this day, they're brilliant absolutely I, I appreciate the musicianship i know it's hard work and it's uh you know they're good at what they do I, you know it's just like anything it's like it's like with food somebody can make a really complicated awesome dish mm-hmm. i might not like it anyway right. you know it's just better to taste you know i think when it gets
0: to the point of being too technical too complicated then it's kind of like well there's no soul to this yeah. You know, I'm not going to per- put this on the first thing in the morning and drive to work. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Dream
2: there. That's kind of the way. Uh, right.
0: I and mean, there's a lot, and there's a different generation of that now. The guys with the fan fretted guitars, and man. what is it? There's a couple of those guys. Just incredible musicians, but it's like has no soul a little too ingway
2: yeah. well you know it's such a visual competition these days with the music yeah know. it's a lot of grooming <laughs> well i mean it doesn't matter if you're good or not it matters you know how many clicks you get on whatever yeah. media thing and nobody really cares and about the, your
0: talent level anymore the,
2: the bigger weirdo jackass you are the more clicks you get yeah. so that's the more popular music now or whatever uh, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, well sooner or later they'll die down people will be like oh look it's another asshole
2: yeah you know, on on my TikTok or whatever. <laughs> yeah, like another 60 years someone's going to be laying in a nursing home being, being like, "Nurse, can you can you turn up that Machine Gun Kelly song?" <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's funny cuz I always like James Taylor's Machine Gun Kelly song. Mm. The actual yeah, song. I'll take
2: that one, yeah, sure. And
1: now there's a Machine Gun Kelly artist.
2: Mm. Yeah, yeah, lo- loosely called artist. I
1: was uh, in LA at a place called the Observatory. The club, kind of a swanky club. <coughs> Excuse me, seeing Billy Strings. Mm-hmm. and Post Malone who I kind of knew it was him but I wasn't sure he comes and sits in and he had like it was like his third appearance since COVID mm-hmm. and the freaking place went bazonkers and all I could see was phones and all that which maybe would bother me at another point but it was so fun seeing these kids just lose their
2: shit yeah minding no, me
1: being like 14 at the it, dead oh, show it's
2: like Beatlemania you know it's their version yeah, of Beatlemania yeah, it
1: was it was like that
2: and we don't get it just like their parent you know like the Beatles you know, fans' parents didn't get it back then either and you know the
1: right but if post malone's coming out with billy strings he's probably kind of cool i gotta say not to be too wild-eyed but
2: billy strings is pretty cool yeah yeah you need to see he's you know, a, yeah he's a, he's a, he's a fun, fun october guy. 29
1: 30 31 you're gonna come oh you mean fun guy you mean you met him
2: no no, no i'm just saying the music you know this his his character his style i, I like him he pushes the limits yeah definitely yeah. And
1: he's getting a lot of young people into acoustic music. God bless him for that. And like St. Paul and the Broken Bones are getting young people into soul. Like uh, Avet Brothers and Mumford are getting young people into old-time music and mm. all kinds of stuff, you know? Yeah. Not all these bands that I'm freaking out dying to see, but at least they're having a
2: positive mm-hmm. footprint, you know? You know w- Wally Avet li- lives in Murphy. That's their uncle. The Avet Brothers' uncle lives in Murphy. Really? Yeah, they've come here. I think, actually, the night that uh, you met Ellen for the first time, I think there were some musicians that had showed up at at this party we were at. And um, this was right before Mother Vinegar was opening for Umphreys at the Orange Peel, I think. Okay, I remember that night. And... um, yeah, the the guys that came to that party had just ca- came from uh, Wally Avet's house, I guess. When they, were, they were jamming with the Avett brothers before they came over to where Carl and I were. One of
1: their dads would go see Jim Avet. He would go see my friend John Shane and then go buy all his merch and talk him up. And ended up, John ended up playing his album. He's a really, really nice guy.
2: Hmm. Well, listen, man, thank you for coming in person. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's fun. I, you know, if you guys... Uh yeah. Ever want me back? Let me know. Absolutely. Don't
1: be shy. Maybe maybe play some songs, and maybe when the next record comes out,
0: yeah. Tell everybody how they
2: can get a get your record, and B, how to get to get a hold of you. Okay. So right now it's just streaming online. Uh, the album's called uh, Five Smiles High. We have a few copies that we just sell at shows or give away or whatever, but. Um, I've been listening to it all day. It's a great, great record. Our band's called Dottie the Band. Uh, we're on Facebook. Uh, we just started an Instagram page that doesn't really have any friends on it yet or anything, but uh, we'll get So that. Go like them. Go find them and like them. Yeah, we'll, we'll get on that. Like, it's brand new. So right. Um, and, what else? I don't know where our next show is. I they call me and tell me, Johnny you're going you're good for the whatever date." Yeah, We're picking yeah. you up. Yeah, you know.
3: So,
2: so. I can maybe help in
1: Atlanta and in Raleigh. Just reach out. Yeah, yeah. We have you know, Dottie the band. It's Dottie the band. I'm looking for you. I'm gonna follow your Instagram when I find you. What'd you say? Dottie
2: dot band. Oh yeah, Dottie, band. Dottie dot band. Dottie dot band. Dottie dot band. So I know nothing. Clever I'm, I'm terrible at all that stuff.
1: Hey, Carl, good news. Oh, man, what? Coming up, Dropped Among This Crowd is doing its Hall of Fame 2021 episode. Oh. I'm psyched. You know about the Hall of Fame. Humphrey's yeah. fans vote on what they should throw out there. And the cool thing is that we get him on a final. I mean, I'm free, you going to pay for it. But mm. very much worth it. Peak versions, typically improv-based peakness. So check it out. She also has an episode coming up with Joel. Where uh, he talks about traveling, kids, and music, and the Ross Stewage. She did two episodes on the Ross it, which, if you don't know what that is, you need to listen. She does them with Jimmy Knowledge, the great and wonderful Jimmy Knowledge. Man, badass. Also, still have the Patreon. Mm-hmm. And, and now, Carl, since we, we finished our season mm-hmm. one, are we gonna vow to do more stuff for Patreon? Sure, why not? I would love to have just little off the cuff conversations with you and throw them out there on Patreon.
0: Okay, sounds good to me. Maybe I could put some jingles on
1: there. That would be great. You folks, that calls boundless energy of creativity. And recipes. Yes. So, check it out. Also, you can get access to Dropped Among This Crowd episodes before the release and photos not shared anywhere else. And she's working on more and more content. And you're supporting podcasts, specifically Humphrey specific or just organic music-specific podcasts. So check it out. Dropped Among This Crowd media. Yeah! Ow. Patreon.com. DATC Media Company.
2: I know, me too. Yeah, it's I'm just, just awful th- with it. I, well, I, I have to say... On I, purpose. <laughs> I am a little disappointed when you're talking to conspiracy theories. So.
0: Oh, shit. Well, we, can, we got some time. What you got? I don't know. I, I was <laughs> hoping
2: you guys had something juicy.
0: Um, you, go ahead. Well, Canada's preparing to
1: how they're going to react if UFOs come up in parliament.
2: Like come up like in person or yeah, being the, mentioned yeah. in parliament?
1: No. <laughs> yeah, if they're <laughs> challenged on it, they're, they're ready for it and... I guess the UFO thing is, it feels like something's about to come out,
2: because everybody seems to be preparing. Like, there's something big coming out. You know, the universe is a big place. There's, you know, it's it's mathematically impossible that there's not something else out there. Um, I think we're in
1: an experiment, and that something else out there is conducting the experiment.
2: You know what's weird is when you start going down the rabbit hole of, of <laughs> weird shit that you can look up. You find a little hint of something that's like, hmm, and then you, go, you have to
1: be careful blowing it up in your mind.
2: Yeah, yeah, and and what happens is you you, you find yourself in a place where lots of things seem plausible, maybe or you know same, same stuff seems. You know, something that seems completely unrealistic at some point may later seem like, huh, Yeah, maybe that is, you know, like I'm sure Area 51, you know, the first time that stuff, you know, was mentioned to anyone, they were like, yeah, whatever, you know, you're nuts or something, you know, but. Um, well, COVID, if you suggested that it was created in a laboratory in China in
1: May of 2020, you're a jackass fucking Republican. But now, two years later, Biden's suggesting the same thing.
0: That's right. And uh, Neil Young will try to get you kicked off. <laughs> yeah,
1: <right. laughs> I refuse to hate Neil Young. <laughs> that will never happen. He can well, shit on I'll my face. I'll give you face. a couple of
0: reasons. Well, <laughs> a, he's Canadian. Oh, boy. <laughs> His dad was one of the great hockey writers, though. Was he really? Yeah. It was hockey journalist. All right. Well, he got he got it back.
2: <laughs> yeah, you, uh, yeah. I think nowadays, conspiracy theory stuff, you know, like the fringe conspiracy theory stuff, is is kind of in the same bundle with all the other like political conspiracy theory stuff. You know, it all kind of connects. You know, I've I've had people people come up to me and be like, you know, uh, have you heard about the whatever gate? You know, whatever and and then Stargate yeah and it was done by so and so who's Hitler. also connected to this group who, right. you know they, they sacrificed babies Hitler who used to sleep with George Bush's yeah, lizard people lizard and, yes you know all that <laughs> Alex Jones kind of stuff and uh, you know and there's people that I don't know if they believe it or they just really want to or they just like being agitated about something, you know, but sublimation. The problem is, is that when there's so much nonsense, and it gets it, diluted.
0: It, it, yeah,
2: it gets to the point where people don't even want to look at the subject at all because it's Correct. just a sea of idiots like it, arguing yeah, it's, over. It's
1: diluting
2: you possible actual.
1: People. Well, it's a dime store way of of um disproving a. a A conspiracy is to put forth is to exacerbate or make most well-known the most uh, egregious i've
0: got i've got one for you the human being on this planet on planet earth is the only
2: animal that has a spliced chromosome that's true. We got 46 and all other hominids and such had have, have 48 chromosomes. And there's not a a, a good uh, explanation in nature. No, they how, keep on saying, happens. oh, it was a
0: cosmic particle that shot through. Wow. A, Somebody dropped us here. Opposable thumbs, too. Isn't that kind of a good yeah. one?
2: Yeah. You know, I've... I've um, talked rabbit hole for a second I, I, I had, um, I had um, come across these um, interesting cave paintings you know these uh, aboriginal cave paintings uh, from Australia and also from a few other parts in the world that would would depict these particular shapes and, and they weren't like a, necessarily a person or a, an animal or, or anything in nature just kind of this weird shape but it would pop up and you know you can look this stuff up but Um, uh, one of the theories proposed about this was that um, that these were two dimensional representations of a three dimensional um, vision that that people ancient people were seeing in the sky that was a product of of plasma reacting in the atmosphere that was causing these kind of like fractal shapes and uh, Hmm. they um, there's a name for them. I think they It's part of the. Uh, the characters themselves ended up being uh, very similar to, uh, what's called the the Mandelbrot set. Um, it's. Uh, uh, they're called Mandelbrot instabilities, but they're these shapes of energy uh, and plasma that form under certain circumstances of, the right electromagnetism and, um, and plasma ionized gas of some kind, but. The theory was that there was some kind of big comet or planet or something that was, you know, creating some kind of event in the sky that was making these shapes appear in the sky, and just like an aurora borealis or something would be, these just happen to form, you know, like these three-dimensional objects rather than a ribbon or something like that. But uh, if you take these things in three dimension, if you try to draw a two-dimensional version of it on a piece of paper, it looks like this cave art, you know, so. Uh, I found that pretty fascinating. And after, are there
1: Egyptian hieroglyphics that uh, demonstrate things in the sky that are similar to things people have seen in the last hundred years, too? Something like that? Maybe. Triangles. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, clover-like things. Mm-hmm. I don't know. if i, mm-hmm. I There's a lot of
0: there. that. There's also one in a Hieronymus uh, a uh, Bosch? Bosch painting, I yeah, think. Yeah. Some kind of yeah Chariot uh, in the skies there's some
2: there's some really interesting uh medieval art that depicts uh, mm-hmm. a lot of like even uh christian art depicts a lot yeah, of yeah the uh, the, UFOs. the shroud
0: of uh what is it the uh shroud of turin not the shroud of turin the um oh shit i, I don't remember you, you ever listen French? to art
1: bell back in the day no
2: yeah you did yeah yeah listen to art bell a little bit um yeah, there was some, you know, some crazy stuff going on in the world. You know, who knows what's what. I mean, I mean, that's at, an
1: example. It could get pretty wacky sometimes. The,
2: you know, the way I look at it, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if the world's run by lizard people or not. And, you right. know, we still got to pay our bills <laughs> and do all the same shit. So you're pay the paying the taxes to, to, to pedophiles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yeah, in our uh, man, uh, mandatory-owned mandatory Teslas. Uh. Yeah. What do you think about giants?
0: you have any giants? Yeah, Carl's um, been
2: into the giants thing lately. I I have seen some, you know, like when I looked into these kind of subjects, you know, there's some like really ancient stone footprints that are really big. Some of them are like six feet. You know, there's I know there's uh, at least one in Africa uh, that can be found. It just looks like a human footprint, but it's about six feet long. Yeah. Um, Now, that could have been made by some creature that didn't leave a fossil or something, you know, who knows. Um, As far as, like, actual bones and skeletons and stuff, you know, the only evidence I I know of actually anyone claiming to have found was um, the the, they were these cave giants that lived out in the the Midwest somewhere. uh, Southwest, Southwest, maybe. No, no, I think this was like the... Oh, maybe it, was. maybe it was like Oklahoma or somewhere and something like that, but the, the there's,
0: there's a mountain range in, um, New Mexico slash Arizona and there's, uh, stories about giants that lived underground and stuff.
2: Well, there was apparently, um, I guess a family of these red haired, like seven, eight foot tall giants or something that lived, uh, kind of to themselves and as, you know, the Western expansion went out that way. They, you know, they had problems with these giants and uh, the, the natives or the, you know, whoever went there ended up having some kind of fight with them in the... Um did it involve string? <laughs> no. What What they did was they they lived in a cave uh, and they basically just built a fire in the cave and smothered them. Out. Oh, man. and when they came out, you know, they hacked them up or whatever. But or had a
0: string and make them trip. But what are the chances that they were actually Neanderthals or Cro Magnons or? Uh, because because nobody really has an explanation for what really happened to Neanderthals right. and Cro magnets They always oh, say I the Ice Age. There was a traumatic Well, that's probably the most pro- po- they got COVID possible.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they didn't take the vaccine. But there,
0: there's a lot of people who say, "Oh, well, you know, humans wiped out all of the Neanderthals." First of all neanderthal seems to be pretty large
2: you know i i i mean i see their point you know i mean woolly mammoths were pretty large and humans beat them too you know i mean have the, you
0: ever heard of a guy named lloyd pie
2: uh, he has sounds a familiar.
0: very strong theory he's dead now very strong theory on uh bigfoot is actually a neanderthal or a Cro Magnon that have survived around us Mm -hmm. kind of hiding from humanity this whole time.
2: I've read, I've I've read about that too. You know, there was this prehistoric, uh, large ape creature that walked on two legs. It was called uh, gigantopithecus and he looked like a, looked like a Bigfoot. you know, had a face kind of like shaped almost like an orangutan or something kind of a little more flat. Um, but he was like eight foot tall, 700 pounds, you know, 10 foot tall, maybe. And, um, by all accounts, would look like a Sasquatch if you saw one, right. you know. But supposedly, these things died out, you know.
1: I, I have a prediction with regard to giants. They're two and zero now as we record. <laughs> By the time this is released, they will have four losses. Mark my uh, words.
0: There's an update on Loch Ness monster. There, there's like been progress. Yeah, there has been. That's right. Uh, Which is kind of the same. Kind of the same uh, theory that the Loch Ness monster is a leftover dinosaur that just survived and. That's like, what we're
2: left with. I like the stories, you know, because it means that people have a little sense of imagination left. You know, I would rather someone be, believe that there could be a Loch Ness Monster out there uh-huh. than be like, no, there's definitely not. Not
0: that only game. that, but I think COVID helped to do this, but it made it so that everybody started questioning everything. Mm-hmm. And we've realized that
2: we are being lied to on pretty much every level. Yeah. Look at a label on, on a food package. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, never what's on the can. You know,
0: eat your raw eggs and your uh, raw milk. Yeah. According to Daily Record, VILN
1: set up five cameras around the 23-mile-long lock. Lock is not is The feed streams live so that people could spot the creature from a com- from the comfort of their homes. Now, a lessee enthusiast claims to have done just that. Eagle-eyed Irishman Eon O'Fagan claims to have captured two clips of giant eel-like shapes moving on the surface. And there's video on here. So if you folks want to check it out, W-I-O-N-E. Ews dot com.
2: I do have uh, a, a kind of a Bigfoot story myself. You do? Oh, wow. is this North yeah. Carolina based? Yeah, yeah. So when I was a kid, um, I I was probably like maybe like eight, seven, eight, ten years old somewhere in there. Um, I I got up to go to school one morning, winter time, and there was snow on the ground, and I, and I, I'm outside, I'm waiting on the school bus. And my, my mother yells to me and tells me that school had been canceled. And I was like, okay, cool, I'll just play out here in the snow. So I was walking around our yard, and we had this fence um, at the edge of our yard that met a field, a uh, pretty good-sized field. And I was just walking around looking at things in the snow. There was kind of this pine tree there. And I walk over to the fence, and I see these two footprints um, that just end right at uh, the fence like they didn't they didn't cross the fence oh. they, they they just stopped dead stop and i thought well that's weird and i could see where they, they came from but they were really big and it looked like maybe you know these are probably like 15 20 inch footprints you know mm-hmm. i mean they're pretty big uh, which could have been made by somebody you know wearing some kind of snowshoe for some reason in six inches of snow but um, but why would they end there? Yeah, why, why? And so I I hopped the fence. I want to see where it came from, oh. you know, because it was just, it just ended at my at my house there. And so I'm trying to hop these footprints back to where they came from, and I can't jump the length of these steps. I mean, these are, you know, they're like four feet apart or something. Oh. And and then, like I said, it f- looks like a Bigfoot footprint, you know. It looked like some big, tall, big-footed thing had had. Walk to my fence. So I followed these things maybe, I don't know, maybe like 75 yards across this field, up into the woods, and to a clearing in the woods that has. Um, and there's dead Kembi Matumbo. You no, know, what it was is, that, you know, there's snow on the ground everywhere, and there is a melted spot or a spot with no snow on it where the footprints. Uh, apparently originated from Ooh. there was no footprints beyond the circle so it was like something had started in this melted snow patch and walked to the fence where our house was and then just disappeared or something dissolved but, yeah evaporated or was lifted away <clears throat> beamed up well you know that that was part of you know what kind of got me curious about you know these kind of subjects and stuff you know as a kid I you know uh, I would read, you know, whatever the National Geographic uh, unexplained book or, you know, that kind of stuff, you know. But um, I've heard people talk about, you know, having Bigfoot stories and stuff. But uh, that's as close as I, 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 I've ever ever been. seen anything weird in the sky. Um, yeah, actually, I did one time. Um, I was uh, on my way, I was driving from Asheville back back to here and um i'd come across i guess it was probably somewhere before waynesville you know uh, uh eastern side of uh, waynesville on uh, i don't remember if that's 40 or whatever 17 or something you know, whatever highway it is through there but <clears throat> um there's a, a spawn on the highway where you can kind of see the mountains that you know opens mm-hmm. up and you kind of hit to this little crest you know and you yeah. kind of see in the valley. it's over by where the parkway is right <clears throat> there's actually a couple of couple of three places that look similar to this along mm-hmm. that route but because i tried to find it the other day but um i was coming back and this was you know probably uh actually i think it was on easter it was because i got a speeding ticket on the way to Asheville that morning um but on this was on the way back that afternoon so i'm i'm crossing this little crest where you could see in the valley and there's these these mountains off maybe three four miles to my right you know pretty good ways but i can see them pretty well and i see this thing that looked like a chrome motorcycle helmet you know like the uh, faceless motorcycle helmets it's just uh, just the top part it looked like that but it was chrome just shiny totally reflecting the sun It almost looks like that bean-shaped thing in Chicago. Oh, right, right, yeah. Whatever that thing's called. I think they call it the bean. (laughs) The bean, okay. Well, it looked like the bean, right? And I see it kind of nestled in the trees, you know, in this mountain, uh, mountainside, pretty good ways from me. And as I got, you know, closer, I I kept an eye on it, and I realized that it was really big. And, you know, from uh, once I drove past it a little ways... My best guess is is this thing was bigger than a football field. Wow. Probably. And it was just tucked right into the trees. And I thought, maybe that's a water tower, you know? Yeah. And then I'm like, no, that's too big to be a water tower. Holy shit, that's really big, you know? And, like, the closer I got, it just looked bigger and bigger and bigger. And um, so when I got home, I looked up on Google Earth, you know, and they're dated pictures and stuff, you know, but... There wasn't anything there. And, uh, it never moved? It just stayed in the same spot? Yeah, it was totally stationary. I mean, it it, it was acting like a water tower. What time have... of day was that? It was the middle of the day. I mean, this was... Nobody else saw it? I mean, maybe, but I mean, we're just driving down the highway, you know? Hmm. And it was off to the side. You had to kind of, you know, try to see it, you know. Um, you could see little houses there, and that's how I could tell how big the thing was. Cause, right. Because I saw it first, and I was like, oh, it's a water tower or something. And when I got closer I could see the details of the houses that were below it and around it, you know. Like these are nice houses on the side of a mountain, you know. And this thing's way bigger than anything. This
0: is in between Waynesville and Asheville.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like over by Sylvan stuff. Like Canton, Clyde. Yeah, it was yeah, somewhere in there,
0: you yeah. know. Yeah. So anybody out there if they've seen this thing that Johnny's talking about, was it last Easter? No, no. This was this was a few years, few years ago. Yeah.
1: You ever lose time? Like there was one time I went and started government mule in Athens. I live in Atlanta, and then I left, and then for some reason I, I like took a nap in my car, ate at a Waffle House. I get home, and it's freaking one o'clock in the afternoon. And I, I'm like, wait a minute, I uh, didn't. Have... That's
0: that's called a roofie.
1: I, I no, actually, no, 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 this was weird. This was I felt like maybe I'd been visited and
2: taken and forgotten it and. I, I, you know, I do have a, a pretty profound experience that I had. That uh, there's no way I could explain it tonight. But I did write a song about it, and that song is on the album. That's a good tease
1: for the next time. We'll dig yeah. into that more next time. The
2: song, "The Dream." Yeah.
1: What about? The, have you ever heard of the Georgia Guidestones?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually went there. I think a few years ago, hmm. but. It's, I'm, I'm against vandalism in general, you right. know. I don't care what it is.
0: You don't think that somebody tried to hide a future crime? Yeah,
2: I think somebody's just scared and breaking shit because no, you <laughs> know.
0: But anything else, they would have been caught. I think it's a par- anything else. A you parallel, know, it's true. A
1: parallel universe trying to warn us about the Illuminati or something like that.
0: No, it's the Illuminati trying to destroy their own. Yeah. Just oh. destroying your own evidence because that's because oh. if okay say well no, I meant the guidestones were and then the, the act to destroy them would be okay what say the Illuminati decide to kill everybody and then um, aliens come down and we're like what did you do with all the people and then they come up to the Georgia guidestones and say oh, oh I gotcha okay.
2: <laughs> yeah I you know the fascinating stuff you know those, those guidestones but. You know, my guess is whoever destroyed them probably didn't know they existed uh, up until, you know, a week or two before. Probably a month to the
1: day before when Carl released his song, Georgia Guidestones. Oh, yeah. And then a month to the day later, they were
0: destroyed carls so fuck you carl what the fuck what <laughs> i got your, a lot, lot of hate mail <laughs> i'll admit that a lot of hate mail, a lot of phone calls text messages people are like dude what's up what, what, what back. <laughs> although it's good first episode of a podcast series material so well, I'm, the, not, I'm not mad well but. the funny thing is is before uh all of that happened we i'd written the song put it together and everything else and i was kind of with johnny conley we were planning on going down there and shooting a video nice so i called up the uh, albert county uh chamber of commerce and i asked him about it i said look you know can we just go down there and you know when is it open i asked some questions about it and the guy was really nice and he was like oh that's great you know come on down anytime it's open Blah 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 and it's pretty much wide open they have cameras there or they mm-hmm. did or whatever
2: I think but, they got blown up too. Yeah.
0: But but it was pretty wide open. And
2: the film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the camera's made by the same people that made Jeffrey Epstein's film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's a good period to that right yeah. there.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we could rattle on forever about that. I don't know shit about sports, but I I know some conspiracy theory nonsense. Yes. Nice.
0: Very good. (laughs) Well, conspiracy theories are some type of sport, kind of. Yeah. Hopefully you've enjoyed yourself, and maybe we've given you
2: material for your next song. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll write one right now. Cool.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Pudgy podcast guy for me. (laughs) All right, everybody go check out Johnny Scroggs' band. Dottie. oh it's a great d-o-t-t-i-e they're on spotify
1: yeah the record i was listening to is uh what, what's the name of it again oh that's not my phone it's, it's a, a
0: five smiles high that's five. right five
2: smiles high five smiles high yeah if you have uh, any
0: problem trying to find it just type in five smiles high and, you know, and when you touch time yeah because there's five members of the band
2: they're all high they're all smiling all because they're creating I kind of what you know that it's funny because the the five smiles high song was the last song on that album that we did and we just kind of crapped it out just to have something there and i didn't like it and i ended up doing layers and things and trying to change it up but we don't play that song and that's why that's the last track yeah it's like the one song we don't play of ours i've never played it i've never played it outside the studio
1: do you find sequencing more difficult than recording the stuff in the first place
2: yeah I mean if I'm doing it you know as far as in general is it probably not you know sequencing is just like typing I guess you know uh, once you get you know
1: No but I mean you have these songs and then you have to decide what order people especially oh, in this oh, yeah, age when yeah, yeah. so many people jump around you want to put Yeah yeah how do you lead what what do you save we how play do you around pace it. it
2: Yeah we'll 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 have a mix of them and just see you know do like a, just a best guess, and then let it play through. And one song just doesn't fit next to the next one. You need to change them around, kind of thing.
0: Yeah, a lot of times, key signatures involved with that. Like you don't want to go from a song that's an A to a flat. Yeah, right. But there are some musicians
1: who are brilliant at songwriting brilliant at recording brilliant at playing that are lost on sequencing mm.
2: yeah and well you know and then there's bands that like write a whole album as one continuous piece too you know yeah. like, like Pink Floyd or something you know, or Frank Zappa
1: well of course the who but you know what's underappreciated in my opinion Pete Townsend Psycho Derelict which is a rock oh. opera from the oh. 90s oh. that I think is brilliant and it got panned and slammed but it really? is it's a lot of poking fun at the Power plays and the excesses and all the bullshit around rock and well, roll. Maybe we just need to get Pete Townsend
0: on so he can talk about.
1: It. He does listen. So Pete, um, you know, when you get a chance, I just was watching him at Jazz Fest. Uh, they do Bob O'Reilly, and this wonderful fiddle player comes out and plays the end part, and she gets Pete jumping up and down. I <laughs> was pretty, pretty cool. pinball wizard myself. That's a good one. I like the nugs, the chestnuts, naked eye. Um, let's let's uh, let's what's, uh, let's see action. Let's see people. Mm. Let's see, Gene, see who cares. They have so many songs that aren't the hits that are great. I love The Who. I do too. Yeah, you, yeah they're, they're awesome. But I wouldn't pay to see them now. Unless there was an
2: orchestra with them. Are they still alive? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Big fan. Yeah. Big yeah. fan.
1: It's so weird because Pete's kind of a prick to Roger, but Roger brings his songs to life. It's just, I don't It's understand.
2: probably all the money. I guess. It's some kind of bullshit.
1: I can't relate. But I love the music. I can relate to the lyrics and that's all that matters, right?
0: So who get your shit together. Come on. Yeah. I know you're out there listening, who? Eating, who? eating a piece of Brastown beef right now. Yeah, That's right. Who, who are you? Who really? do you think made that Brastown beef?
1: You better, you better you better you better you bet learn who made that Brastown beef.
2: <laughs> <laughs> bet Bet Medler.
1: <laughs> Which by the way, is she the one who does Buckets of Rain? There's a version of Buckets of Rain. I think it's Vet Medler and Bob Dylan doing Buckets of Rain. Look Man. that up, people.
2: Thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Yes, good time. Absolutely.
1: to see them i want to see them live carl all right,
0: let's Can you go. hook
1: that up can you let me know when they're playing so i can maybe arrange one of my sure little you should you should
0: follow them on facebook
1: well i'm not on facebook is
0: he anywhere else um i call it f book i'm not a fan yeah me neither but um i not check twitter maybe he's on twitter well okay. i don't know if if here's the thing if i'm an artist yes i'm on all of them you should be yeah Even if, MySpace. I'm, if i'm touring <laughs> yeah myspace let's go <laughs>
1: So that's cool. That's the kind of music. What are some other local musicians that we should have on the show eventually?
0: Um, well, I think we need to get uh, Annie Fane Lydon, who is uh, Lindsey Lydon's sister. She needs okay. to get on here. And she's not just a musician, she's a podcaster. <laughs> she's a podcaster. She's a painter. She's a, mo- a bookmaker. Uh, she does pottery. She does everything. I even think she farms. Maybe not. Don't know. Sorry, Annie Fane.
1: Well, we got a couple more episodes coming this season. We've got a guitarist next week who has a lineage with uh, Colonel Bruce Hampton. Yeah, that's right. We
0: talk about that, and we talk about him,
1: his interaction with Steve Morse, mm-hmm. and we talk about all kinds of great stuff. And then we end the season. Can we? Sh- should we say, or should we wait? Um, we'll just we'll just hold on to that and uh, keep it as a surprise. We got a nice set closer, season closer, Christmas episode. Yeah, and no,
0: then we're going to come back next year with some awesome shit. So make sure you subscribe, ding, 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 to us. And also, why don't you send us an email? Tell us what you think. At stewonthispod at gmail.com. That's right. Stew on this
1: pod pod.
0: And folks, we really
1: appreciate you listening, but it does help if you write reviews, if you uh, if you reach out to Sarah, join her
0: Patreon, drop to Among This Media. If you want to call me a fat cow, that's fine. I'm good with that. I'm the fat cow. You're. you're well, I'm. am feeding the fat cows. That's oh, my job. Gotcha. I'm it
1: the. I'm the dude. Dropped among this crowd. Of media. Excuse me. Yes. Um, sorry, Sarah.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And remember to watch our NFL picks thing. We just did a, a Will and I just did a, a long NFL uh, chat for yeah. Patreon. Yeah, close to an hour. And we're going to talk about some other things for Patreon. I think at some point we'll talk about uh, concert etiquette. Ooh. From my perspective, yes. things like why. Talking over shows bother me a lot more than cell phones. Cell phones don't bother me nearly hmm. as much. I can mm-hmm. explain all mm-hmm. that.
0: Well, I guess it depends on what the cell phone's doing, right? I, I think if someone is holding up their cell phone and video mm. recording, yeah, who cares? It doesn't really bother me right. as much because there are people who, unless that cell phone is getting in the way of your cell phone that's videotaping, but Then it's a dis- then it's disgraceful shit. Yes, you no,
1: need but to, seriously, you can people- get a
0: taller selfie stick, and you'll be all right. Two things people forget: as
1: great as light shows and views are, it's mm-hmm. prom It's. Pr- pr- primarily a listening medium going to see concerts so shut the fuck up during the quiet stuff and secondly there are people who either for social anxiety or they don't have a car or they don't have financial resources can't go to shows and they treasure these videos so let people shoot videos and include it's it's a way of being inclusive now again like the tapers we mentioned in another episode some of these people just hoard it and keep it for themselves and they're fucking assholes but a lot of people do put stuff out there like i do vitamin r energy on youtube i have all kinds of stuff all kinds of things. Oh,
0: I didn't know about this. Yeah, um, Freeze Billy Strings, Fireside Collective. Vitamin R on YouTube? Vitamin R Energy. Uh, vitamin R Energy <clears throat> on YouTube. It's a YouTube station, correct? Yeah. And while we're flaunting, we also have the Umph um, Wow Show. Mm-hmm. Um Wow Show with Jimmy Knowledge. Bless you, Jimmy Knowledge. So folks, check that out. We go song by song. Very cool. And and um, a, a shout-out to uh, Lindsay Lydon's uh, sister, Annie Fain, and her podcast, which is... Oh, it's a uh, Fane House Radio, and he even talks about it on the. Yes, uh, and it's really great. He, she has a lot of artists on, and they talk about being artists and stuff. Yeah,
1: about how you can continue being artistic even when you have a mundane day to day life.
0: Fane House Radio,
1: and that it's important actually to maintain your creativity. It's good for your uh, good for your body, good for your soul.
0: Absolutely. <clears throat> anyway, folks, we love you, and um, we'll see you next week. Nick Johnson next week. Yeah. Bye.